Welcome to Happily Ever After is just the beginning. Keeping your relationship not just together, but happy, and we mean truly happy, is part art and part science. You've come to the right place. Here's your host, Leslie Dorries. At the risk of really annoying slightly more than 50% of the population and many of my listeners, I'm taking a stand and sincere apologies to the BLM movement that men's lives matter, specifically their emotional lives. Now, my entire education as an adult has been to question the either-or positions that my field has tried to sell me. It's not nature versus nurture, past versus future, independence versus dependence, husband versus wife. It's both and always. Now, while the women's movement is complete as it's been, has allowed women to step out of their confining roles and gave them the opportunity to explore their masculine side, men have not been granted the same support to fully embrace their whole being. They often find themselves still locked in traditional roles that women have been allowed to expand. Yes, as a whole, men still hold all the power. But at the individual level, it's also killing them, not just physically but emotionally as well. So if you want your guy to open up and be truly intimate with you, or if you're a guy who wants to embrace his entire being, my guest, dating coach and writer Harris O'Malley, is here to help out. So Harris, thank you so much for coming on the show and talking about what has become such a near and dear subject to me. Thank you so much for having me. So you wrote a piece for the Goodman Project titled, Five Must Follow Man Rules, that really grabbed my attention. But before we get to those rules, what's the message that men receive about what makes a quote-unquote real man? We get told that being a man is an extremely narrow like window of things, that we are defined almost in opposition to women than we are into something definitional about what man is. And what it means to be a man in a lot of cases is that you have to fit into this incredibly restrictive, incredibly tight, and an incredibly inflexible box where you get rules like men are not supposed to be emotional. The only uh-huh. time that men are allowed to express emotion is when our father dies or when, say, we're watching Brian's song, something where there's <laughs> like manly men doing manly things and that rare moment that they're allowed to bond. Uh, uh-huh. Men are not allowed to be weak. We are not allowed to be empathetic. We are not allowed to be anything other than hypersexual. One of the things that gets tossed as an insult to men is calling somebody a virgin or calling somebody, you know, they still, you, we still use queer, fag, sissy as insults. Uh-huh. And all of these are ways of talking, telling somebody that they're not enough of a real man because they don't, they don't measure up, quote unquote, sexually. We uh-huh. are not supposed to admit pain. We're not supposed to admit weakness. And by God, we are not supposed to admit to fear, confusion, or in a lot of cases, needing help. And as a result, we get a lot of people who think that the only emotional expression they're allowed to have is anger and rage 
or stoic indifference. Yeah. And I see that a lot with my male clients because, I mean, I've had more than one man that I work with tell me, well, I don't have emotion. And it's like, oh, my God, yes, you do. But, again, that, but, 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 but those are the guys that learned from an early age that you being well better never show those emotions or, or you know, something really bad is going to happen. Yeah, exactly. And it is learned behavior. There, mm-hmm. is, uh, there has been so many studies, and there's a great documentary called uh, The Mask That We Live In that mm-hmm. finds that up until age 12 or 13, boys have incredibly complex, rich emotional lives and rich connections with other boys that are very affectionate, yes. that are very generous, that are very positive, they're very emotional, where people, they feel free to say, yeah, this is my best friend and I love him, and they're able to share and connect and be vulnerable with one another. And from about the time we turn 12, you can see them being taught that, no, you're not allowed to be like this, because emotional intimacy is equated with romantic or sexual intimacy, and therefore being emotionally intimate with someone or vulnerable with somebody is equivalent to starting a relationship with them where you expect it to end in sex. And Correct. so being, being like that close to another man is now suddenly suspect, and so we get cut off from that level of connection and vulnerability that we desperately need. And it contributes to a, a culture where men are increasingly desperately lonely. We have far fewer social connections than women do. We make uh-huh. them at a far lower rate than women do, and we lose them far faster. And we don't know what to do about it. Right, and, and in a lot of cases, even, and even from women, men get a lot of mixed messages because you know, we, want, we want guys to open up, but, but again, don't, don't, show, don't show fear, don't show confusion, don't, don't, don't do these things. And, it's like, and that's coming from those of us who say we really want you to be open and honest with us and, until you are, and then you guys go, yeah, no, that's not a good idea. Yeah, and I've, I've seen this happen a lot with people who really buy into the idea of quote-unquote traditional masculinity, where uh-huh. there's that push-pull between, like, I want you to be open and real with me, but not that real, not that open. Because when uh-huh. guys actually open up and say, like, actually, you know what, I have no what I'm doing, no idea what I'm doing, I'm absolutely terrified, I'm lonely all the time, and I don't know what to do about this, and if I'm not in a relationship, then I, who am I? Because then uh-huh. I don't have somebody who's handling the social side of things for me. Then women are like, oh, you know what, maybe not like that. Yeah. And some yeah. of that is... Yeah. Some of that is very much just like cultural, uh, cultural upbringing, and some of that is because, because men are so taught to be detached from their emotions, to never engage with them, the very first time we ever have an opportunity to actually open up, it comes out like a tidal wave because it's been suppressed for so very long. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, and that's one of the things that I also, when I'm working with my male clients, it's like, because suddenly, there, you know, I was talking to one just the other day, and he says, I'm either in this, this box where I'm very in my brain, very logical, very stoic, or whatever. He goes, or I'm a mess. And I said, yeah, <laughs> because you've got it split into that either or, and, and, there's, and there's not learning how to, because, of course, the flood's going to come if you've held them back for so long. 
and and instead of being able to let them out at a you know more leisurely flow than being flooded by them. And it also so, yeah, I get that. a lot of problems. Sorry, go on. No, go ahead. <clears throat> Uh, it, it, leads to a, it also leads to a lot of problems with our romantic relationships as well. Because uh-huh. men are taught about emotional intimacy being equivalent to romantic intimacy, then when we have relationships, platonic relationships with women, we get very confused. Because uh, the way that I've seen it phrased is that female friendships are face-to-face. Women get together, they share, uh-huh. they, uh, they uh-huh. talk with one another about their lives, they share what's going on. They're very emotionally open with one another. They're there to support each other, to talk about their uh-huh. feelings. When men get together, it is very side to side. We tend to uh-huh. socialize around activities where we have some sort of pretext for getting together and for bonding, which is why a lot of times, you know, when guys want to have the, the night out with the boys, it's the point is to go out and do something because guys are taught that we're not supposed to sit around and just share and be open with one another. Uh-huh. And so yeah. when, guys, when guys make these friendships with women, because it is the first time we have encountered an emotionally open, emotionally vulnerable, and sincere friendship, we get confused because this is the first time we've felt this from someone other than like immediate family. And so we equate it with romance. We equate it with interest. And so Uh a lot of guys think that either they've fallen in love with their best friend or they think that someone who is offering friendship is offering far more. Something more. And then, yeah, yeah, and everybody gets very confused and upset because everybody thinks that they're speaking the same language and they're not. No, no, we we don't. But but I do want to get back to the the rules that you talked about. And the first rule you Mm -hmm. mentioned, and you actually mentioned a little bit ago, is the be willing to ask for help. And again, I, you know, I bump up against this all the time uh, because often the man is adamant that everything is fine. But mm-hmm. interestingly, this doesn't come up when I'm working one-on-one with a man. It only comes up when I'm working with the couple. And I find it very interesting. So what makes this rule, being willing to ask for help, so necessary but also so hard? Well, what makes it so necessary is the very thing that makes it hard, is the fact that we are taught that we aren't allowed to show weakness or that to, mm-hmm. not, that to admit to needing help is to make us lesser. And we have mm-hmm. seen this a lot in, say, sport culture, where people are expected to be a, you know, be a warrior, play through the pain. You know, when I got my ribs busted, I hoped I would twerk my knee so I'd have something to take my mind off the pain of that. And it's like, no, pain is not weakness leaving the body. Pain is your body telling you that something is horribly wrong. And yeah, pain is telling you only... stop doing whatever it is you're doing. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. But it's not just physical pain, although that is an issue. There is a reason why men are less likely to go to the doctor than women are. It, but it's also motion, emotional and mental pain, where men who say, you know what, the pressure of this, the stress of that is I cannot handle it and I need to talk with somebody or I need professional help with this is seen uh-huh. as admitting weakness or not being tough enough to hack it. And we, we see this all the time, whether it is in hazing in fraternities or sports teams or if it's in uh, people who are dealing with a culture at work, which is incredibly toxic. Um, we uh-huh. see this with bullying we, in schools and outside of schools. And we see this all, at like, anytime 
somebody admits to something that isn't sufficiently manly, it's like, oh, you're, you're just not tough enough to handle this. A real man wouldn't do this. A real man wouldn't be suffering like this. Uh-huh, and so uh-huh. admitting that you need help and looking for help then becomes a sign that you're not a real man. Right. Yeah, I mean, that's one of the things that, you know, I always tell my clients. I said, the strongest people are the ones who pick up the phone and call me because mm-hmm. they, know that, yeah. they know that something, you know, that they know that something's not working and, and they want to make it work. But, you know, I've had, you know, I've, you know one of the things I get, like, well, I don't, I don't need to go get help. I'm not crazy. In fact, yes, I don't work with crazy people. <laughs> but but <laughs> it is, it's, you know, it's that, it's that very, very challenging thing about uh, about men, you know, I think it's hard. I think it's hard for a lot of people to ask for help, but I do know it is much much harder for men because, like, a lot of times with women, we will go talk to our friends. Not always the best source of help, but but you know, we're much more likely to share that that than than we are that than men are to go to friends because one, a lot of times they don't have close enough friends to be able to be that vulnerable with them but you know it's just it's just not what they've learned to do yeah and there are very few ways of there are very few examples we see of modeling that behavior so that men can recognize that no it's okay uh there was actually a really really great example of this in what i think is one of the most unexpected sources of all time in uh marvel's the punisher on netflix mm-hmm. at the at the end of the first season, the very last scene is Frank Castle, the Punisher, who has quite literally just killed an army of people who have been this bellowing, raging force of nature, is finally coming to his friend's support group for military veterans with PTSD. And uh-huh. he delivers this speech about how much war and killing has messed him up and how much he is left in a place where he doesn't know how to turn it off, he doesn't know Uh how to live with anything other than pain and rage, and he's scared. And that was incredibly powerful, considering that the Punisher is such a vision of toxic forms of masculinity and to see him sit down in front of a big group of people and say, yeah, you know what? I'm terrified of this is incredible. And I don't think enough people got that message from it. Yeah. I mean, and, and, and it is, I mean, and, and some of the stigma that, you know, you'll, you, you hear some of the um, pro athletes who suffered from depression or have had other mm-hmm. kinds of, I hate mental illness, it's like, okay, stop that, but who've had some other kinds of emotional challenges, coming out and starting to talk about it, which is, which is so, so powerful. Um, I mm-hmm. need to remind people that This is Happily Ever After is just the beginning on webtalkradio.net. I'm Leslie Dorries, and I'm talking with relationship coach and writer, Harris O'Valley, about how men can let go of outdated tropes and step authentically into their lives and relationships. And if this resonates with you and you're ready to ask for help, I'm ready to be there with you. So give me a call or send me an email to schedule a free no-obligation discovery session to see if the Hero Husband Project is right for you. You can reach me at Leslie, L-E-S-L-I, 
at foundationscoachingnc.com. That's F-O-U-N-D-A-T-I-O-N-S, coaching, N is in Nancy, C is in Charlie.com, or you can reach me by phone at area code 919-924-0463. Again, that's 919-924-0463. And now I want to get back to these five rules. Um, and I'm going to take a little bit of liberty with your rules, Harris, and put the remaining four into two categories. And the first one I want to talk about is what I'm calling the soul category. And this contains the rule to find the thing that speaks to your soul and the rule to find the right community. So can you explain what each one of these rules are and why you think they need to be one of the, five, you know, the two of the five that men really need to know? Sure. So the reason why I say find the things to speak to your soul is because we all need things to live for that are beyond just work. Most Uh people live very staid, boring lives where every day is just get up, go to work, come home, go to bed, wash, rinse, repeat. And mm-hmm. while a lot of this is mandated basically by, like, by our culture and by capitalism, you can't exactly <laughs> not work and still survive. Right, but yeah, we'd like to have happens, that roof over our head, yeah. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> yeah, but it's, it's, you know, Maslow's hierarchy of needs does say that once you've got shelter and food taken care of, you need to start looking at the things that help your, help your emotional life, your mental life. And a lot of us don't have that, and it's really important because – no matter how tough you are, no matter how much you have going for you, at some point, multiple times in your life, the world and life is going to beat you down and you're going to be laying flat on your back. And what you need more than anything else in those moments are the things that make you want to get back up. And for mm-hmm. some people, it's family, but sometimes it's not that's not they don't have a family they're disconnected from their family or that may not be the only thing they have and having a rich inner life things that you live for things that you love things that speak to you are really important because sometimes the things that help you just grit your teeth get back up and keep going are the littlest things that you wouldn't expect there could uh-huh. be anything from my favorite band is going to be touring again and I want to see them. It could be I've always wanted to see Paris. It could be going to a museum and finding the art that you really love and you want to see it again. Uh-huh. It could be any of these things, but they are what help drive us. They are what help make us want to continue. They're what help us want to do better. And it's really right. important that we have those things in our lives, and a lot of guys don't. Okay, and then when because you actually wrote the rule as find the community, but you actually then then you then you added to it find the right community, and yes, you know, we are we I mean human beings are creatures of relationship. We don't you know mm-hmm. very few people can survive out in the woods all by themselves. You know the mountain man who who has no connection to anybody. Most of us need some kind of connection. So what do you mean by the right community? So we are, it's like you said, we are a very tribal species. Cooperation and community is how we have survived the entirety of the human race's existence. And we don't do well on our own. We need the support and growth. We need the support of other people in order to grow, in order to survive, in order to be healthy. But Mm -hmm. just because 
it is a community does not necessarily mean that it is a healthy community or <laughs> the right community. So right. in my career as a dating coach, I deal with a lot of people who are often either adjacent to or trying to leave what's called the involuntarily celibate community or the incel community. Incel. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And the incel community as a community trends towards the incredibly toxic and incredibly dangerous because <laughs> what they do isn't – what they originally were created as – was to be a community of support, very much like, a, like an internet support group for people who are having trouble with relationships. What it turns okay. into is yeah. a bunch of people who are resentful about not having relationships and have turned that resentment both inward, they hate themselves, and outward, they blame women for this. Yes, and, very unhealthy. And it is a... Yeah, and it is a very self-reinforcing community that basically says, we have seen the secret truth of the world. We know that there is no hope, that the world is arraigned against us, and that there is nothing really to do except to lay down and rot. And if you really want to be a hero, then to maybe inflict some of the pain you're feeling on the world that is inflicted upon you. That would be the example of a very bad community to be part of. But but can, but, pe- but people in that community find support there. It's just not it's just not good support. It's just not support that's going to fulfill them. It's just going to make things worse. Exactly. It's just people saying you're right. It is hopeless. There's nothing you can do. Why are you trying? And <laughs> while there is a lot of there is a lot of appeal in having somebody validate your emotions that way, what it does mm-hmm. is just reinforce your helplessness. Whereas instead, finding a community that says yeah, it's awful, we're all in the same boat, but you know what, I bet we can get out of this. I bet we can do better. I bet that we can make things better for ourselves. That is a uh-huh. much more positive community. And that is one where find, what you want to do is find what I call, and what a lot of other people in the, the dating advice industry or the advice giving industry call Team You. The people who love you, who support you, who have your back, who will help you get back up when you've been knocked down, and who will cheer you on when you succeed. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. And these are people, like having this team is incredibly important, both for you and for them, because the support they give you is also the support that you give them. It is the way that you help get through the bad times, because you have the people who can help you when you're down, when you have to say, hey, I'm, I'm having a hard time. Hey, I'm feeling weak. Hey, I'm feeling scared. And they can be the ones to say, yeah, well, we've got your back. It's okay. We're going to help you with this. And when, you're doing, when you have your success and you say, hey, you know what? I have done this challenging thing, and it actually worked out. And they're going to be the ones to say, all right, we knew you could do it. That's great. Uh-huh. Let's, do it. Let's take this to the next level. That is very important to have. And it is significant that women tend to have, this, have these support groups whether it is an organized event or whether it's just a circle of friends, and men have very few of them. And right. it comes back to what we were saying earlier about how women tend to have more active friendships and men have very few. Okay. So then I want to go to the last two rules that you have, and they kind of touch on what I'm calling the tangible realm. So mm-hmm. one of them is if you haven't got your health, you haven't got anything, and the other one mm-hmm. is to take a break. So, I mean, I think the first one speaks to it, you know, it sort of speaks for itself, but, um, but can you talk about what they are and what makes them challenging for a lot of men? 
So the, very, the first one, it, on its surface, it seems pretty obvious, but in practice, it often isn't. Because uh -huh. it's not just your physical health, it's also your emotional health. But there are a lot of ways that our health is challenged. I mean, obviously, right now, we're in the middle of a global pandemic. Yeah. And, one, and we're watching a whole lot of people who have been saying, you know what, I would do anything to you know, protect my family. But their idea of protecting their family involves violence, not nurturing, not caring, not making uh -huh. sure that everybody is washing their hands, that everybody is wearing masks, <laughs> that, that, uh -huh. they, that they are eating healthy, nutritious food, that they are dealing with the emotional trauma that comes with, dealing with you know, one of the most trying times that almost any of us have ever lived through. Uh -huh. that is a big part of making sure that you're taking care of your family, but also taking care of yourself. And uh -huh. sometimes that means dealing with your own health, and sometimes it means recognizing when you're in physically bad uh, patterns for your health and your emotional health. Uh, the greatest example of this, I think, is in, when you, in the tech industry and certain areas of the entertainment industry, where there is a lot of productivity over everything else, where you are seen uh -huh. as being the most valuable worker because you do nothing but work. You neglect right. everything else in your life in order to be at your desk 18 hours a day. Oh, you know what? No, that, that's child stuff. 20 hours a day. That's commitment. And, right. and, don't, and, don't take a, and don't take a vacation because you might get replaced. Right? Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> Don't take a vacation. Hell, if you can avoid it, don't take lunch. I mean, the whole right. point of Soylent is so that you don't have to stop, stop working so you can eat. And uh -huh. yet, eating together, breaking bread together, is one of the most important forms of social bonding that humanity has ever come up with. Uh -huh. So we are isolating ourselves. We are forcing ourselves to be sedentary when our bodies are not meant to be. We are neglecting everything for high-stress, high like high stress, high involvement, low rest uh, jobs and economies, and uh -huh. neglecting even our relationships because, you know, we always hear about these no you know, high-powered lawyers who never see their family or doctors who work, to, work themselves to the bone during their internships and residencies. Uh -huh. Yeah. So what about taking a break? So the way that I illustrate the need for taking a break is to get a little bit old school and talk about old school video games. So uh, one of the examples yeah. I use specifically in my column is for an old Nintendo game called Ninja Gaiden. And this was a game that is notoriously horrifyingly hard. And for <laughs> anyone who's ever played video games, you will, you have, you will understand the part where you get to a section where you just cannot get past it. It may be a boss character. It may be a tricky bit of puzzle, puzzle jumping. But you, you, you keep beating your head against the wall, and you get more and more frustrated because uh -huh. you can't get past this point, and then you always are trying to rush back to it to get past it. And now because you're frustrated and you're trying to rush through things, you're making even more mistakes, so you're not even, uh -huh. you're not even able to get to the part that you're stuck at which makes you more frustrated and perpetuates the cycle. But, okay. if you take a, but if you take a break from it, if you put the controller down, you turn off the game, you come back to it an hour, a day, two days later, you often find that you can breeze right past it. And that's the, yeah. that is, a, to my mind, a great metaphor to a lot of people going through life, is that we beat our heads against the same thing over and over and over again so much so 
that it starts to affect other parts of our lives because we are getting increasingly angry that we cannot deal with this one particular issue, that we can't deal with this thing at work, or that we can't deal with this problem in our relationships. Uh-huh. But if we take a break from it, if we take time away, and often uh-huh. cycling back to what we were saying about find the things that speak to your soul, find those things. Take, take not, not even necessarily a vacation, but taking some time out during your day to meditate, to just kind of tell your brain, shh, uh-huh. and just get some calm then we find ourselves better able to not only de-stress, but to handle the challenges in our lives because now we're not throwing ourselves headlong into the furnace every single time. We are figuring out other ways of doing things because we've taken a step back. We've gotten, Uh we've relaxed, we've rested. And we're also usually when you take that break, you find that you have a different sense of perspective. You often look at it differently or from another angle. And that helps you solve that particular issue or find a way to work around it, to compensate for it, or otherwise make it no longer a problem. That that reminds me of the Einstein quote about you can't solve a problem with the same mind that created it. And so that to me sounds Mm -hmm. like, okay, so let me me take you, because if I keep just trying to like force it, then I, I, I can't get anywhere because I'm actually limiting you know, my options because I just can't see anything. But if I take a break, go away, maybe do something else, I come back and say, oh, I didn't see this. Now I can do it this way. I mean, it, 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 really, it really makes a whole lot of sense. But again, it's one of those things where in this rush, 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 I mean, you know, I, I hear lots of my clients will say, well, you know, I'm not being productive. Like, like being productive is, you know, I mean, I went a little crazy um, with this whole pandemic thing and, you know, people talking about, oh, now, now you've got all this time to write the great American novel. And I'm like, no, stop. No. <laughs> like, you know, no, there's so much emotional and mental energy that's just going to this thing that I don't think most people even realize that the idea of, oh, yeah, now I get to do more. Like, oh, my gosh, please stop that ridiculous nonsense. But I think that men yeah. really, get, really get that, you know, a lot. And, and then, of course, when I was talking about the women's movement before, it's like, yeah, now women get to go right along with it and, you know, and do all this crazy stuff. And when I talk with my clients, it's like, okay, so you have a baby and now you have this extra person who doesn't come with any more extra hours in the day and they require, like, constant care. What's, what are you going to take off your plate? And they look at me like I have three heads. And it's like, mm-hmm. you've got to take something off your plate because baby is going to, you know, and then usually what ends up getting taken off their plate is their marriage, which is not a good thing. But, mm-hmm. but you know, it's like, it's like stop. We, we, can't keep, we can't keep doing this because we will break. Mm-hmm. It's like there was a, a Twitter quote that I saw going around early when the, when the pandemic first hit and we were all going into lockdown. And mm-hmm. I, I, it was something along the lines of, if you come out of this, without a new language, a new side uh-huh. hustle, or a new hobby, then your issue isn't that you lack time, it's that you lack discipline. And wow. yeah. that's the sort of thing that drives me up the wall because I'm, I'm sorry, we're in the middle of a literal pandemic. This is not the time to be part of the cult of productivity because uh-huh. what people don't understand is how much 
all of this, and you can't see this because it's radio, but I'm kind of gesturing at everything, is Mm -hmm. weighing down on our minds at all times. Even Mm -hmm. if you don't think the, the pandemic is as bad as it actually is, we are all living under the stress and the worry of everything, yep. whether it is the effect on our health, whether we're worried about catching it or our friends catching it or our family catching it, the effect uh-huh. on our economy for those for uh-huh. people who have been furloughed or can't go back into work just yet, to the effect that it's going to have on our politics and our elections. All of this stuff, oh, yeah. these invisible pressures are weighing on us all the time, and we only have so much emotional bandwidth. And it is taking up a lot of that bandwidth. And to expect us to be acting normally as though none of this was happening and to treat it like we're on a three-month, five-month, six-month vacation is mm-hmm. absurd. Right. But again, that's, that's – I mean, I have an argument, and it will be a whole, different, whole other show – about mm-hmm. you know the, the effect the thing that that we all want everything to go back to normal because we're all uncomfortable right now and as opposed to well what was what we, we would go back to may not be the best thing for us to mm-hmm. do um, but it it really is about well yes we're really uncomfortable and instead of and instead of going with that and and trying to figure out what that means we just want to put it back in the closet, which, of course, is what men have been being told to do for a long time. Don't be uncomfortable. Just keep doing, you know, just keep doing the same old, same old. And if, you know, and if you fall by the wayside, well, that's okay. Somebody else is going to step up and replace you. And I'm like, stop that. That's, that's not healthy. You know, yeah, and, and, and I it's really... also the idea that the, the system isn't broken. You, the system doesn't fail you. You fail the system. <laughs> So yeah. if you are a man and you're struggling with these things, if you are struggling with emotional, like emotional health, if you're struggling with loneliness, if you're struggling with, you know, depression, that's the problem isn't the, that, you know, we've been built, you know, we're living in a society built to cause these things intentionally or otherwise. It's that you're mm-hmm. just not manning hard enough. So man harder, right. son. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Which is not helpful. So, Harris, thank you so much for coming on the show and sharing this. Can you please tell the listeners where they can learn more about you and about this and these about these ideas and and really and really for men who's like you know guys, there are there is lots there are lots of us out there who really really care and really want this to be different. And so, and Harris is one of those people. So, Harris, can you tell people where they can find you? Sure. You can, uh, I write weekly at my site, drnerdlove.com. You can also find my podcast and YouTube channel called Paging Dr. Nerdlove. They're available on iTunes and Stitcher, everywhere where you get your podcasts. You can find me on YouTube, same name, Paging Dr. Nerdlove. You can find me on Twitter at, at Dr. Nerdlove. And I have a private Facebook group called Nerdlove Academy for teaching social skills, emotional vulnerability, how to be not just better daters, but how to be better men at facebook.com slash groups slash Dr. Nerdlove, D-R Nerdlove. Well, thanks so much because I want to, again, say that relationships require two people, and both of those people matter. The healthier they each are, the healthier the relationship can be. And allowing those two people to be their entire and authentic selves is the best way for this to happen. So what would it take to free you to be all of who you're meant to be? So think about that question, and hopefully you'll continue to come back and listen to the show. 
Until next week, stay loving.